Hello and welcome to a Burkamp Wonderland, uh, a post-game show where we'll, we'll be reviewing the riveting game between Arsenal and Manchester United, the absolute brilliant nil-nil. Uh, today, uh, discussing it is me and Josh. How are you, Josh? Um, whew, that was like 90 minutes plus of my life I'll never get back. Yeah, uh, it's not as bad as the Southampton game last weekend because, you know, we lost that. But wasn't much better. Uh, I think there were no. a bit more positives from it. Uh, I think it's one of those, that if a neutral was watching it, they'd say, that was an all right nil-nil. Like, there was stuff in it for everybody, but not if you were an Arsenal fan. Um, yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. We certainly had moments, but it feels like, to me, two points dropped rather than a point gained. What about you? Definitely. I felt like, uh, to be honest, I felt like neither team deserved to lose it, but I felt like if there was one team that was going to win it, it had to be us. I think that Man United had chances, definitely they did, but I felt like we had the more clear-cut chances and I feel that if we had just stuck away just a few of our chances, then well, obviously we would have won, but I felt like we played better than them and I know obviously they're away and we were the home team, but I just felt like uh, we got hold of the game much more, even from the start. Um, I feel like we started better than them and we finished better than them. I know they had a chance at the end, but yeah, I feel that on if you look at the teams um, as a whole, I think that we were much better than them. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things for me is perhaps in hindsight, we'll look at the... Um, I'm going to have to say it was a tactic rather than, than, because it happened so many times, I just assume it's then a tactic rather than three individual players doing something strange, um, which would be the shots from distance. Uh, I think in the opening 20 minutes, we must have had what, four or five long shots. Partey, Lacazette, uh, I think Louise might have had one. Bellerin attempted one. Any chance we got a sighter on De Gea and we were taking a shot. So I wonder... Yeah, in hindsight, we'd probably say if we held on to the ball a little longer and tried to open up a chance, it wouldn't happen. But it did seem like something, like a tactic, to have those kind of long shots. And I'm not not sure it worked for us necessarily, but it was interesting nonetheless. What did you think about that? Yeah, I think that may have been a combination of also us, um, Lacazette, playing the kind of false nine role without someone running off him. I think if... I mean, we'll talk about the absentees uh, in a second, but I think if we have uh, different players playing, um, like I said, would have had runners, like if, say if Aubameyang playing off him, he he can play that sort of deep role. But the problem is, is that, like I said, was coming into that quote-unquote number 10 role, but he had no one else up there with him. So he was the striker, but also the guy doing the link-up play, but there was no one for him to link up off. So I guess that kind of, hindered us as well so because there was sort of no one in and around the box um, people just taking shots from far just to see you know what would happen yeah and I think before we go to the absentees because there's one player that I think in the first half we probably need to mention that came in for one of those I want to say a big shout to Nishan who has subscribed to us for another month that'll be on the Twitch uh, where you can find us and if you are an Amazon Amazon Prime subscriber you can uh, specially do it like a super special subscription to us where uh, we get some dollar dues straight from Jeff Bezos' pockets. And who doesn't want that? Uh, 
but yeah, Carl, let's go into the uh, absentees. I think you should go for the main one, which is uh, Saka, not in the side um, at all. I think it's an injury, isn't it? Yeah, apparently he's got um, a, a stiff hip. So that's the reason why he missed out. And obviously, once you see the team sheet come out without any explanation, you're kind of thinking the worst. I mean, I was I was very confident this week that we was going to beat Man United. But when I saw that we didn't have Saka, my confidence kind of dropped a little bit. I mean, I didn't think a team he was going to make it, to be honest. I, I, I think he's... Hopefully he's back for the Wolves game. I want to say, yeah, Wolves is the next game. Yeah. So hopefully he's back for the Wolves game. But I, I didn't think that he was going to make this team or this game because there was no kind of talk about him. Usually there's like a little hype, and yeah. there was nothing coming from Arsenal. Uh, Saka was a strange one. I think they kept that very quiet because obviously uh, they didn't want to give Man United the bet um, any information. But yeah, him missing from the squad, I think it really affected us today. Um, just in case of his presence, I think once he's on the team, I think even opposition think, shit, what are we going to do? How are we going to play against him? And I think he also, because he's in the rich vein of form as well, he gives the team a boost and other players around him sort of play better. And I say that we didn't play bad, but I just think that things that he does, um, the runs that he would make was kind of missing today. And that sort of link up that he does with Lacazette and Emil Smith-Rowe, I think definitely was missing today. Yeah, and I think the other one that I'd I'd say about Saka is it meant that uh, Nicolas Pepe had to then play on the right to replace him. And that was one that I thought, to be honest, if I didn't have to think about our starting lineup, I thought we'd just go straight in with what, what we played on Tuesday. Basically, I didn't think anybody needed to come out or nobody needed to come in from that performance because it looked so well-rounded. Um but obviously, yeah, Saka coming in meant Pepe was then pushed out to the right. And I think that's where we saw some of the... Like, I say Pepe looked better than I think it's probably one of his best games on the right-hand side for us in general because he still looked very uh, energetic, looked great on the ball, which is something we haven't really seen and aggressive in his play as well. Um, Definitely, he looked... Yeah. Uh, confident and I think and I can't believe I'm saying this um, Luke Shaw I think this season has uh, quite improved um, he looks fit and he's you know he's uh, he's not playing too badly so to play up against Luke Shaw who has been playing quite well uh, we have to be honest um, I think he's done quite well um, playing against him and I think you're right I think he's got a little confidence now I think that game against Southampton and that goal is amazing what goals can do for you and like usually, you know, he would play with his head down and you could see him like getting physically frust- frustrated. But today he didn't. Today he was taking on players and, you know, um, taking on Maguire and taking on Luke Shaw and trying to curl it in. And we'll talk about obviously his, some of his chances later. But um, he did look confident today and I felt that was a really good thing. Obviously, I think if, um, I do think if Saka is fit, he plays on the, Right, left hand side. Sorry, I don't think Martellini starts um, this game if Saka's uh, fit. But you know, um, he didn't have a bad game today. Like um, Pepe, I think he, like you said, one of his best games um, we've seen in a while. And you know, we'll see what happens in the future. But yeah, today I can't. I don't have any complaints about him. Well, maybe one he should have passed yeah. it and maybe should have should have scored. But apart from that, 
no, he, he done well today. Yeah, and I think the only uh, player in that kind of front four for me in the first half that struggled was Martinelli. He looked, for me, incredibly rusty, uh, which is kind of fair enough, I suppose, when he hasn't played in, what, three games for us and coming off an injury as well. Um, yeah, what did you think of his performance? I think he had some great moments where he intercepted, um, I think it was a pass into Rashford, you know, he got yeah, in there because Cedric had come in, but then, you know, turned it over right towards the end of the first half and United nearly scored. Yeah, I think that, same with you, Josh. I think that he just looked rusty. He looked like he needed a few warm-up games and I wasn't, would we'll, we'll mention it later about why he came off, but um, I think that interception for Rashford was absolutely brilliant. Um, defensive uh, today was quite good. And I think just before that, I think you, I don't know if you heard it, you heard, um, I think I, I saw um, Twitter, I think it was Chris, mm. what saying that um, Odegaard and Solskjaer was saying to Rashford, take him on, he can't defend. Like, mm. they run at him. And he literally, two seconds later, he, he does that. So, he done well as well to play against Rashford because Rashford's obviously a very tricky character. So him and Cedric played well. But today you could definitely tell there wasn't he wasn't the normal Martinelli. There was something a little bit rusty about him. But um he had a chance as well. Um sort of in in the first half when he took on um Wambasaka and he managed to get past him, but obviously it didn't come to fruition. But yeah, he just looks like he needs a couple of games and you know he might start against Wolves depending um, on sucker injury and how bad it is. But yeah, hopefully more games he plays, the better he gets. Yeah, and I think that pass into Lacazette from Martinelli, I think that was the one of the best chances we had where, you know, uh, Lacazette was having so much joy running off Maguire's shoulder and into the box. It was a, it was a shame that he couldn't get on the end of it, but I think, Overall, as say, kind of said, it, he was incredibly rusty in that game, uh, and you could see it. Um, so, uh, well, I suppose before we go into who came on in the second half, there is another one or incident I want to mention, and that would be about uh, Bruno Fernandes and uh, the raking down the back of uh, Granite Xhaka's leg. So, what, what I have a problem with is that. VAR looked at it. So they obviously knew that there was something wrong with it, but they tried to do nothing about it. Like, what I don't understand is, what is it they saw in that that they thought that was totally okay? And we could, Josh, you and I and everybody else could go and talk about uh, VAR and the good and the bad points about it. But that's what VAR was there for, for incidents like that. And, And I hate to do this, oh, miss but tell 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 but I just feel that if that was Granit Xhaka on Bruno Fernandes I honestly and I'm not just saying this I honestly think Xhaka would be getting sent off or at least a yellow yeah. card yeah I think so I think one of the things that is annoying for me with VAR is how if it wasn't a red at least get the uh referee to go over to the monitor and have a look at it so you can at least give a yellow but there's something about you know uh, VAR won't look into yellow card incidents so it's either it's a red or it isn't a red and it seems to be there's that kind of gap where 
you know what? That's actually a yellow card. He should be booked for that. And, uh, you know, first watching through, I thought he was already on a yellow card with the incident he had early on with Cedric. Uh, he he didn't get one. Yes. Again, how did he not get one? It's just, uh, I I hate moaning about another team. I really do because I just think it's, I think it's pointless, but Manchester United do get away with so much. And, Today, it just goes to show how much uh, they got away with. And I'm not going to say that the referee was bad today because I, I think he was, I, I just, honestly think it's quite even. But mm. I think today that Bruno Fernandes, well, it has to be it has to be minimum a yellow card. Or how is that not a red? I I, I would love to know the, the thought process of the referee to say, oh, no, no, it was totally fine. Maybe because Granit Xhaka didn't roll around on the floor and cry about it. He just got up. And I think... If, like I said, if it was the other way around, Bruno Fernandes would probably still be rolling around now and it definitely wouldn't have been a card. But you know what? It's... Um... Yeah, I think I'd, I'd come in and I completely agree in terms of I thought Michael Oliver refed the game fairly in terms of fouls given and decisions in terms of offsides. There were some corner decisions that he got incorrect but you kind of take those and as long as we don't concede from them I'm not that angry the thing that kind of got me was the distribution of cards I think he could have improved massively on that Uh, there were a couple of incidents in the second half where I think a yellow card should have come out sooner Um, you know Pogba ended up getting a yellow card for the same foul that Cavani had done five minutes earlier and Cavani didn't get a yellow with that um, just clipping the back of Xhaka's legs but I think let's kind of talk about our players as well. One player that kind of going into the second half as well would be Thomas Partey. I can see there's a lot of stick for him there. Um, His passing um, part of his game mainly. What do you think to to his kind of uh, performance today? I well, I said in the group um, when we was watching the game that I thought his passing was not the best today. There was times when he gave the ball away just outside of our area and it caused Man United to attack. And I, and I think that maybe he's rusty too. Do you know what I mean? Like he's been out for a long time and then he's thrown into two games, three games, sorry. And maybe he's just at the moment not up to where he was. Doesn't necessarily say he was bad, because I don't think he was bad, but his passing definitely wasn't the normal passing or what we're used to. And I think maybe he just needs to get fitter and just know how the um know how the team plays. I think, you know, I don't want to write someone off after one game and say, oh, he was shit, he's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's been out for a very long time and he just needs time to adjust, to get back into the team and to build that partnership with Granit Xhaka. But yeah, the passing today was, yeah, it wasn't good at all. I'm not going to stand here and say, oh yeah, you know, it was good or it was bad. He, he wasn't good today and he, he needs to improve on that. But I'm going to put that down to maybe just a little bit of rust on him. And obviously he just needs to uh, get that rust off. Yeah, and I say, however bad he was in that game, at no point was I calling for him to be taken off and El Nene to come on. Oh, definitely not. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> which I think I think that's what everybody would kind of agree that although he wasn't great, were you taking him off? And if no. you were, who were you bringing on for him? Because the yeah. only option was El Nene, really, or Willock and. Yeah, you're not really going to play Willock are you at the moment, but yeah, he, he he didn't have the best game today, but you know we go again against Wolves on 
want to say Tuesday, but um, yeah, that's all it is. Um, we, for me, he just needs to a, a little get taken used to how this team plays, and he's got to build that partnership with Granite Xhaka and. You know, it's going to happen throughout the season. He's going. Not everyone can play a ten out of ten game. Some days you're going to have a bad game, and this was just his bad game. Hopefully, he has a a ten out of ten game against Wolves, and so we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, should we mention kind of the first half? Was there anything else that really happened there? I can't think of anything major. No, we had a few chances, and so did Manchester United. It was it's, it's a very slow start, I think, and. I think obviously it was a little bit tick for tat to see what team would do what. Um, I think there was one chance for Rashford where he tried to, he sort of got beyond the defender. And I think it was really good that he, he sidestepped. Um, I think it was Cedric and Leno came out, made himself really big and he tried to, he couldn't, get a shot on that goal, which I think was really, really good of Leno. He didn't do much. He just literally put him off, which was absolutely brilliant and, yeah, prevented a, a goal. And we had chances as well in, in the first half. Um, I think there were some passes that we didn't pick. And I think I think passing was bad on the whole team today. I think there were so many chances that we easily could have put someone through and we just chose not to, which is a bit annoying. But, yeah, the first half just ended kind of with a whimper. Yeah, I think we've got a question from Thomas from Norway as well, who's uh, asked, was it a tactical decision to play more defensively in the first half or were United just better? And I think, for me, it all changes when they take McTominay off, who had the uh, bad case of the shits, I think. <laughs> uh, I think that's a requirement of a Scottish midfielder at uh, United for the past couple of decades. They've got to have a bowel problem at some point uh, and go off. But... Uh, yeah, I think Pogba coming into the middle completely changed that, that first half for them. Yeah, yeah it opened the game up a little bit, I think, because if Pogba in the middle, he's playing inside with Fred. Uh, Fred is not the best. I, I don't know how he gets into the Manchester United team. I, I really don't. But um, I feel that it opened the game up a little bit. And even with uh, Martial coming on, I felt that more space was created. So that gave sort of El Nene, he got El Nene on the brain, sorry, Partey <laughs> and uh, Granit Xhaka, uh, more space to kind of roam about and Emil Smith-Rowe as well, because I felt like Emil Smith-Rowe definitely um, grew into the game when that change happened for Manchester United. Yeah, there was more space for him, uh, I think, because there was less, you know, there was less kind of a cover for that back four as Pogba kind of left to maraud around the field as he does. Um, but yeah, second half, we have our own change as well at halftime with Martinelli coming off and Willian coming on. Uh, what was your first thought when you saw Willian getting ready to go on the <laughs> sideline? Probably the same as yours, Josh. <laughs> um, literally, what the fuck? But. I listen. There's a reason why Mikel Arteta gets paid the money. He gets paid to manage Arsenal. Would I have taken off um, Martinelli at halftime? No. Would I've given him a couple minutes? Yeah, I probably would have. But you know, that's the reason he gets paid the money he does. And yeah, my thoughts were: Is Martinelli injured? But it was. I think it was straight tactical. He wasn't injured at all. It was straight tactical. Yeah, I thought. Uh... 
I thought Martinelli wasn't great in that first half, but he wasn't sub him for Willian bad kind of <laughs> uh, kind of way. But then when he came on, it kind of made sense more to me. Like I'm more kind of like the same as you trying to justify it to myself without hearing what Arteta said on the case. Uh, but for me, Martinelli again, hasn't played many games, didn't look fully sharp uh, and maybe 45 minutes was all he had in his locker. Um, the difference of giving him an extra 15 minutes, take him up to the 60 minute mark. I'm a bit like, well, doesn't really, wasn't something I was almost prepared to do um, necessarily. I mean, if Saka was on the bench, it'd be a straight swap for me. That's kind of what I would have done at half time. Um, Willian coming on though. I thought he looked all right when he came on against Southampton midweek. Like he looked a bit more lively. I think, I think I said on the show, um, after he looked better as a sub than as a player that starts a game. Like if you bring him on, there's something about the pace of the game. He settles to it better. If he comes into a game that's already had the pace kind of set. And I thought today he looked all right as well. Um, What did you make of his performance? Dare I say he was actually okay. He wasn't yeah, bad. I don't, I don't, I don't he want to bridge over okay either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't brilliant, uh, mm. but he wasn't bad. He was a a seven, I guess, um, out of ten. He he came on. He 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 was very direct. I thought. I thought that Arteta's instruction was run at Wan Bissaka, like get at him. I thought that was literally the instruction because that's what he did. He was. Um, staying wide and then drifting in and getting behind Wambasaka and trying to link up with uh, Smith Rowe and Lacazette. So he wasn't terrible. He wasn't brilliant. I mean, we, we can talk about the chance now, I guess. Um, and I feel that, I don't know why, I feel that Martinelli and I feel um, like as Martinelli and also Abami, I put that chance away. Yeah, I, I think th- so. I, yeah, I feel that they both scored. I think it was a really soft effort. I think he tried for placement rather than power and I feel like if he had shot harder, I feel that that's a goal. Yeah, uh, I think we're going to go on to uh, our other winger and his rather tame shots as well uh, later when he has a kind of a, a chance to bury a couple, really. But I think before then, we have the Lacazette free kick and for me, that's is it too harsh to say that should have been 1-0? Like we should have no, scored it was, that free kick. Yeah, that free kick should have gone in. It really... Yeah, we should have... It was inches, wasn't it? Like, literally uh, inches. And you're... It, it, it's harsh that it didn't go in. It's, it's really harsh it didn't go in. And, you know, like I said, it has got that in his locker because he has scored free kicks before. But... I thought what well, I was on like talking to Danny at the time and I was like, oh that who scored and literally when I saw it bounce out, I was like, for God's sake, like it was just annoying it didn't go in rather than anything else. And yeah, just a little bit pissed. Yeah, he hits it so well. Um and so for anybody that didn't see it, the kind of it's a short free kick uh, in terms of direct. It's only just outside the box after Lacazette does really well to win a foul from Maguire as well. Um, but gets it perfectly up and over the wall. I think 
instinctively, I thought Xhaka was going to take it. The way he was okay. kind of lined up to him, he was very purposeful um, with how he was setting up to it. Him and Pepe were having a joke about, I'm the lefty that's going to take this, not you. We've seen Xhaka score from that kind of distance as well. I'm thinking Crystal Palace last season um, and that kind of position as well. But then when Lacazette hits it, I think even De Gea doesn't imagine it. He, he doesn't expect it. doesn't expect a right footer to put it into that corner. He's expecting, you know, something nice and curled over the top from Xhaka. And yeah, it's one of those that bounces on the underside of the bar and then doesn't go your way, which is just so irritating because I think at that point we completely deserve it. We're on top for that entirety of that first half, second half and we deserve to go into the lead. But from there, we then kind of have these bitty chances as Man U kind of get back on the uh, front foot. So what do you think of, uh, you know, the chances we created afterwards and how the performance of Smith Rowe was as well? Because I think there's some people saying that he wasn't that great today. No, he didn't have his best game. I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody had their best game. If they did, we would have won that game. I think that Smith Rowe was maybe a little bit tired and I know he came off um, against Southampton, but maybe, you know, he's a guy that's gone from the first half of the season playing all under 23 football and he's been thrown into sort of first team action in the second half of the season. And, and he's doing a lot of running. I think Emil Smith-Rowe covers some grounds. Like I'd love to see the stats if, if you're listening, Danny, if you got them to see if, um, how much ground Emil Smith-Rowe actually covers. But, um, no, he didn't have his best game and I feel that the link-up, I think he was missing Saka because I think with him and Saka, there's almost like a, a, an unwritten understanding and they know exactly what they're going to do with each other and I think that him not being there kind of affected him just a little bit more because Pepe is very unpredictable. Like You never know with Pepe what he's going to do. One minute he's going to be very brilliant and the next minute he's going to be mad. I don't think Smith was terrible today. Like I'm not going to I wouldn't wonder, in the words of you, Josh, I wouldn't have take, put on Joe Willock for Emil Smith-Rowe. Mm. He was good enough to stay on the pitch, but obviously we've got our deputy that came on and we'll talk about him later. Um, but yeah, the second chance, second half, we had some chances that there was a William chance. There was a Lacazette chance, a Pepe chance where he shot straight at Maguire. And I felt that we was on top and I felt that if because we didn't, score from those opportunities it's almost like the longer the game went on you're thinking to yourself what are we going to do like are we actually going to win this game because all of the best chances were not putting away and then you start in the back of your mind you start thinking oh am I not going to grab this like 89th minute Bruno Fernandes penalty like you just you, you start thinking the worst don't you yeah it looked like uh, I think, to be honest, for the whole game, it never looked like United were going to carve us open with a decent like bit of phase of play. It was all going to be about a special moment, like as you say, like someone diving in the box and Bruno Fernandes putting away the penalty or a Pogba free kick from 40 yards out. It never seemed like they were going to do something to us like with any kind of effect. It was going to be that kind of moment. That's where I think it differed for us. It looked like we were actually trying to play the whenever we attacked, it looked like we could create a chance rather than looking for that little bit of magic out of somebody. We were finding our way in behind and we were just really just not, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, prolific enough. Um, we just needed to be a lot better with with our shots. And the thing about Pepe's chances, I think he got in amazingly. It's just the way for me, the way he hits the ball for those chances. It's a bit like watching Henri in his pomp, you know, where he'd come so far out and then he'd just bend it in the bottom corner. And I think it's great if you kind of place it and you don't put a lot of pace on the ball and it nestles in that corner. It looks great. But if you miss, every, everybody is going, just put your laces through it. And I think for Pepe at the moment, it's still one of those. It's just like, mate, we know you've got it in your locker that you can absolutely twat a football if you want to. And we just didn't see those kind of attempts from him. It was very much a, he knows his game and he was trying to, you know, get through it. But it was really unfortunate with our finishing. And I think, as you say, Saka might be putting one of those in. I think if we have a Bamiyang in the chart in the side and one of those chances falls to him, I'm thinking especially like um, Martinelli or Will, uh, Willian at the back post, both their chances of Bamiyang scores. It was that kind of problem of where we're at now is that we've got these players that couldn't necessarily convert. And I don't think we gave... Lacazette the right service into his feet to give him that opportunity because he is the most kind of potent finisher we had in that side to really um, you know get a decent shot on target yeah I think definitely it just shows how important Saka is to us to our squad because I felt like both Lacazette and uh, sorry both Lacazette and Emil Smith-Rowe sort of suffered with um, Saka not being there because the runs that he makes. And I feel that maybe if I, I honestly think that we think we had three first teamers missing in, in Tierney, Saka and Abamyang. And I feel if either one, I feel if those three play, we, we win that game. And I think we win that game very easily because Man United didn't really have anything to offer. Um, you're right. What you're saying that the one at the back post, um, with with William, definitely Abamian puts that away. Hundred percent, yeah. he puts that away. Um, so there, there are opportunities there, and you think if Pepe does play or he's on the other side, then the opportunities that he has to get at Wan Bissaka because Wan Bissaka wasn't very very good today either. Uh, Saka getting at um, Saka definitely getting at um, um, sure sure. I think that happens as well. And I think, you know, he makes a meal out of Luke Shaw. And then, like I said, has that link-up play with also Saka and then also Aubameyang as well. So, yeah, it's just unfortunate we have three first-teamers out. Um, and, you know, who to say what kind of havoc that Tierney would have caused. So, you know, um, it's, a, it's a draw uh, against the team that's currently in second place. So, when you look at it on the, on that sort of side, you look at it and think mm, it's not too bad. You know, we we drew against a, the second place team, but it hurts more knowing that we could and maybe should have won that game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's uh, one other thing that, as we say, we know that they're currently second, but we also know we are better than this Man United side. We have beaten them um, this season already. I know it was only a one nil, but again. We, we knew how to get past this side and Arteta has said he's never, um, you know, he's never lost to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So this 
it's not something that it's like a hoodoo for us to beat this Man United side. Um, but for me, it was frustrating because I always want to beat United. Um, and I think if we'd got six points um, from the two games that we had against them this season, that would have been great uh, to do the double over them. Uh, I think it was since the first time since uh, 06, 07. Yeah, it, it would have been Sunday. nice to, I think it would have been, I think for me, I grew up in an era of the Arsenal-Manchester United rivalry. I mean, Tottenham would always be, you know, the derby and the team that you hate the most. But for me, the era that I grew up in, Manchester United were the second team that you hated. Um, they were the team that, you know, you couldn't stand. And then obviously, with the emergence of Twitter, their fans as well. Um, I follow quite a few Man United fans and, you know, they're just almost as bad as Liverpool fans. Um, it must be something about living in the northeast region. But um, it's just... Yeah, that's that's my rivalry, and that's the game that I, you know, we always want to win against Tottenham, and then I always want to win against, um, <laughs> I always want to win against Manchester United, and it's a shame that we couldn't beat them today because I felt that we were good enough, I felt that we were much better, and I feel that if we had, you know, our our three personnel that were missing, we we beat them hands down. Yeah, uh, and I think I wouldn't say I was biased. But obviously, I'm currently saying this on an Arsenal-themed podcast that I think we completely deserved to win that game today. Um, I don't think United really deserved to take a point out of it, to be honest. When they asked Gary Neville uh, on Sky Sports if uh, any team deserved to win the game, uh, I think he was very much a bit like, he didn't think United deserved to lose, which you tend to mean... United deserve to lose in that one. He's got to protect them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I think in terms of questions from the chat box, if there are any, make sure you get them in. Stick a little cue in at the beginning uh, so we can spot them a little earlier, uh, a little easier. But I think there's one here that um, from, I'm going to say it's from Rudy Rastos. It's not really, it's more of a statement, but I think we can talk from it. That uh, says it was a tactical decision for um, why he subbed Martinelli off and brought Willian on half-time. And for me, I can kind of get where he's at because bringing Willian on allowed us to rotate that kind of three behind the striker a little bit more. You know how we saw against Southampton, we had Pepe, we had um, Saka and... um, Smith-Rowe, all interchanging, and Pepe was coming up on the left. And when he did, he looked great. And I think for Martinelli, he's not as um, adaptable in the same way that you you wouldn't expect to see Martinelli pop up in central positions and you wouldn't expect him to crop up on the right-hand side. So at least with Willian, we can bring him across. Uh, and move him around a bit more. And we did see Pepe coming into that kind of left channel a little bit more. I think William was still out there, but um, I think it made us a bit more tactically kind of loose in that way. I think we were trying to get at Man United a little bit more. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, with Manchester United, there's always a threat of Martial and Rashford. They are very, very quick. And Paul Pogba can always pick out a pass. And 
I think Bruno, I, I don't get the hype over Bruno Fernandes. I, I truly don't. I'm not saying this from an Arsenal bias. I just don't think he's that good. I think he scores a lot of penalties and uh, free kicks. But I don't think, as a footballer, I don't think he's he's that good. Um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I promise you, I'm not trying to be biased, but I don't think they had that much of a threat. I think that Bellerin had Martial under control. And I, and I think, as you know, a special shout out to Cedric as well, because Cedric as well, I think, handled um, Rashford very well today. And obviously, as always, um, Cavani is always that slippery character. His movement, his movement is brilliant. I, 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 that's one thing I noticed today that his movement is very, very good. Um, I guess that's why he got so many goals in in the Farmers League. But like, I, I feel that his movement is 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 very well, and he gets into he finds his pocket of spaces, and he's just literally behind players. And you think, oh shit, where did he go? But yeah, I don't think that Maynard offered much today. And I feel that, yeah, it, it, do you know what? This one hurts. Don't you feel that, Josh? That this one hurts that we could and should have won this game. And it just feels like, like you said, you said at the top of the um, at the top of the programme, it's two points lost rather than one point gained. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think there was, yeah, on Fernandez. I think we dealt with his threat superbly well. I think, Cavani, he seems... I'm never fully threatened when Cavani's playing against us because you know he needs a million chances before he puts one away. He's a bit like the Uruguay and Danny Welbeck, I think, because <laughs> you don't normally see him as a threat, but then you know he puts one in from 40... You know, he scores a bicycle kick from out of nowhere, uh, but will miss a sitter. And he missed a couple against us. Uh, but again, whenever he ended up getting in, I wasn't fully worried. Like that chance right at the death, I think um, it was, uh, was it Femi or was it yourself in our WhatsApp group that was like, uh, uh, this is the smash and grab coming up here, was when they just managed to get through us with a cross and him and Martial got you know caught up in each other whilst he's trying to put away a bicycle kick. And even at that point, I'm slightly worried, but not fully uh, I just don't get that threat from Cavani because I know how many chances it takes him to put away a, a goal. Um, but what? Yeah, I suppose generally with the game, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Rather than anything, it shows how well we've kind of grown in the last five weeks. Um, that we you know, that we're at this point now where we think we should be beating Man United hands down. Um, but I think let's talk about one player as well before we kind of get to the general questions about the game. And that's about the debutant as well. Um, we'll have to go with the various, uh, I think 50 Shades are saying his name, uh, Morten Odegaard or Martin Odegaard, depending on... Uh, which part of his pronunciation video you want to take um, or a combination of either. Um, Carl, what did you reckon to him coming on? Um, he didn't, uh, for as far as Davies go, he had a few good touches. Yeah. He was trying to um, press from the front. He was definitely trying to harass the defenders. He, he, he didn't do anything good. He didn't do anything bad. If it was just obviously a, a debut, I don't think, I think obviously he might, maybe start no I don't think he starts against 
Wolves on Tuesday. I think maybe that's a bit early, but it depends on how... It does depend on how Emil Smith-Rowe is. Uh, I know it's Saturday, Tuesday, but Emil Smith-Rowe, you need to manage him. So maybe it may be too many games too quickly for uh, Emil Smith-Rowe because we've got, then they've got another game away to Aston Villa. So I think that's probably more the game you're looking out for against Villa um, rather than Wolves. I think Wolves at the moment, they're not playing that well, are they? Um, so, yeah, I think as, as far as debuts go, um, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It was just very, very middle of the road. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that. There was there were like little touches and stuff. You knew that we'd got in a talented player. There was enough from that from his first touch. You know, there was a decent player in there. Um, but I think it's all about giving him minutes. You know, he hasn't played any kind of real decent run of football this season uh, thanks to Zidane keeping him on the bench for most of it so I think we've still got to build him up and he certainly got a part to play especially with Saka being out injured um, that if he's going to come in he's going to be the kind of player to to help us and we can see some flashes from from him but you know what we, we signed him what was it two days ago three days ago he barely knows any of that forward line yet to start you know, knowing their runs and I think there's more to come from him and it's just nice to see, you know, we've got an option that we can bring on in that kind of area that isn't Brazilian and doesn't have an afro and, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that he just needs minutes. It's a shame that we're not in the FA Cup anymore or the League Cup because he obviously definitely would have been in there and I don't think there's many sort of games that you can just get him to blood in because um, anyone can beat anyone in a moment in the Premier League. Um, I'm not too sure whether he's registered for Europe. I'm sure, I'm, I would assume that he is. So maybe when we play uh, in the Europa League, he gets a game there. Yeah, I think we've got until the end of, well, it's the end of the window that you resubmit your, uh, what do you call it, the, your squads for Europe again. And I imagine in the next coming days, we'll have a uh, a few more players going out so that we can make space for the likes of him in the team. Uh, I'll go to questions as well. Uh, we have one from Mike Hertz, uh, who is a YouTube member for two months for us as well. Um, do you think that Saka should have played through the soreness or do you back the decision that you know, he uh, he wasn't in. He wasn't in today. He was rested. No, this is not the game that you go for Saka. I think you've got to look at the, the, the teams in and around us. So I would rather him not play today and play against Wolves and play against Aston Villa. So if you need to him keep him out today, then that's, that's fine with me. And there's no playing through any pain because you could just aggravate it. If you can rest someone and then bring them back in, you know, games are coming thick and fast at the moment and we need um, the, our best players. Uh, I would rather, I'd much rather him miss this game and be able to play two or three games rather than play this game and then miss two or three games. So, um, yeah, definitely not play through the pain. Yeah, and I think we also learned from, or the club has learned rather than we, uh, that 
especially with Thomas Partey in the North London derby, is bringing a player in and trying to get them back either when they're carrying an injury or coming back from an injury that is not necessarily a good idea. And you know what? We were the uh, a coat of paint on the crossbar away from winning against Man United without Saka in the squad. So it shows kind of how he is an important player to us, but the players on the pitch should have got it done as well. Um, yeah, we have another question from Avon Teddington about another person, another absentee. Uh, how concerned should we be with Tierney's absence? Do you think he's carrying something? Tierney's very injury prone anyway. He has been from his Celtic days and um, probably still is a little bit. I think that um, there's obviously, you know, there's, he, but he was in training. So he was definitely training in the training pictures from Friday, yesterday. So he's training with the first team. So maybe he's just one game away from um, coming back. And again, I don't think we should rush um, people back as long as we've got adequate replacements. And Cedric, for me, is an adequate replacement because he played quite well at left back. So that's okay. But I just want to make sure that when Tierney comes back, he's fully fit, not just half fit and just rushing him back because that's when you get more injuries. Yeah, and I think it's... uh like needs must and it wasn't a needs must in terms of getting Cedric out of the side to bring in um bring in Tierney uh to kind of replace him. And I kind of get that he does seem to be a bit injury prone. I'd say the injuries he has had while he's been at us anyway have been very, very different. You know, he, he turned up with a shoulder injury, then he came back from it and ended up dislocating his shoulder again. Uh and now he's out with a calf injury and he's, you know, I'm not a great, uh, you know, physiotherapist or even a physiotherapist at all. But, you know, calf and uh, shoulders are definitely, definitely different parts of the body. I can confirm mm, that. Just about. Heard, yeah. it first. Heard it here first that shoulders and calves, uh, they are different parts of the body, uh, not necessarily related. Although, yeah. Um, we have a question as well from Chris Lodato. When KT does return... Do you expect Hector to sit out uh, for Cedric or do you think Cedric just replaces, um, you know, Cedric comes, yeah, is it like for like, you know, Cedric comes off and Tierney comes in or do you think Bellerin comes off and Cedric takes his place? No, I think it's like for like, I don't think, Cedric has been played, you know, in the two games, two, three games that he's played, he hasn't played bad, but I think that Bellerin, at the moment, he's he's not playing the best, but I don't think you drop him. I don't think he's droppable uh, at the moment. Maybe um, some days you may rotate him, but for me, the fullbacks will be better in, and then also there'll be um, Kieran Tierney. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It should be Tierney and Bellerin. The only reason I'd take uh, Bellerin out would be to rotate him with Cedric rather than dropping him for any particular reason. Yeah. Um, I don't think he was bad today either. I think he got lucky a couple of times in terms of when he was trying to play out from the back and he got some lucky bounces off players, but I'm not that worried with his performances at all. It's not something I'd be looking at. You know, we've, how many, was it uh, 
six clean sheets this uh, since January or since the beginning of the uh, year. Five you and know, six. So, yeah, yeah five can't. and six. And he's the right back in that. Um, it's not something I'd really look to mess around with at the moment. No, you can kind of stick with. Yeah, team settled, yeah. So because the team's settled, you kind of, and also you want that relationship to blossom between Saka and, and also, t- uh, hear me, Saka Bellerin. and Bellerin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they could get an understanding as well. So I think that's definitely something that we've got to try and blossom and get get them to to, to flourish. I think sometimes we're too quick to just take people out of the squad for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, squads um, have relationships, just like um, when Tierney, not Tierney, well, hear me now, when um, Saka and Lacazette was having that conversation when the Southampton game and he, Saka was saying... I was talked to, like I said, and I said, you can find me, like, just hit the ball to that side and I'll make those runs. And he did it. So, you know, those sort of things take time to blossom and take time to develop. And we can't just keep chopping and changing for no reason. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And it's like we've seen with Gabriel, you know, we thought he was absolutely superb when he, he first came into the side. And, you know, I know he's coming back from COVID, but he hasn't exactly been thrown straight back in. Um into this defence, we kind of kept it settled, especially with Rob Holding in there. Um, David Luiz coming in, uh, Pablo Mari's out injured, I think. Yeah, it's all about little changes at the moment. Uh, we have a question from Don One as well. Um, this one is on Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and I think because this is going to be the last show before transfer deadline day, which is tomorrow, no, not, not tomorrow, it's Monday, Monday. it's the 1st of February, um, at 11 o'clock, I think it'd be worth we cover some of these kind of transfer window questions yeah, as well. You can do um, that. Yeah, do you think it's time for AMN to, to move on? Probably. I think um, it's kind of shown that um, Arteta doesn't fancy him because he's not played. I mean, he played uh, one game at left-back and he didn't have the best game. I think from then, Arteta's kind of dropped him. Uh, unfortunately, there isn't a space in the squad because he's not going to play uh, in midfield. That's just that's just it. He's he's not going to play in midfield. So obviously, he's not going to. At the moment, if we got Kieran Tierney, Hector Bellerin, and Cedric, um, that for me is enough cover fullback. Um, you know, because you're talking about you're now the fourth choice fullback for either side. So. Yeah, I just think that he done well in the last sort of the back end of last season. He was the go-to person because Tierney wasn't there when he was playing three at the back. But now he he there's no space for him in the squad, unfortunately. So it's just he's got to go out on loan. And I think there was reports that um a lower a lower Premier League club wanted him. And I think we've sort of I think it was West Brom. And we said no because we want him to play a style of football that, you know, he's not in a relegation dogfight. He's actually playing a style of football that he's kind of used to. And I think there was kind of hints around him going to Southampton and that would maybe free up Ryan Bertrand coming. I mean, I don't want Ryan Bertrand um, at all. I'll be very honest with you. I don't think he... I think if we signed Ryan Bertrand, he's old. What is he, 28? Sorry, what is he, 29? 30, something no, along the lines. He's, 30, he's 31 
30 31 Ryan Bertrand he's older than everyone thinks um, so if we come he's going to want what well, he's obviously going to want a what three year contract at stupid money we've we've had enough doing that now and I think we've got to stop doing that so I, I don't know how, how true the rumours are uh, or sort of that we're going after Ryan Bertrand but if they are true I hope that uh, we don't get him because he's no, we're sick of spunky money on 31-year-olds. Thank you, Don Juan. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think... Um, so, from Ryan Bertrand's point of view, I don't know how true the rumours are that we're targeting him, but what I do know from the Southampton point of view is he's very close to signing a new contract. And the only thing that he's umming about is about um, how many years are on it. He's got... He doesn't want to be a coach there. That's one thing that I have seen some people claiming that Bertrand wants to be a coach. He doesn't. He wants to be an agent. Um, he's already said a couple of times he wants to work really so closely with Southampton and he wants to be an agent. Uh, so he's looking to do that. Uh, and I think the only thing that they're umming and ahhing about is they're fine on everything. It's just the length of his contract. Um, you know, they've sorted out the money stuff. So I wonder if it's just really you know, almost like agent talk to try and speed up Southampton is just to say, you know what, Someone he else wants to interested. go out. Someone else is interested, speed up and, you know, give him, give my client that extra one year. Um, you know, we've been used for it before um, for, you know, how many times have agents linked to play one of their clients to Arsenal only for them to sign a new contract instead. Um, <laughs> Did bring so, yeah. new contracts out of Leicester? Uh, yeah, exactly. And I think on <laughs> on Maitland-Niles, yeah, I completely agree that he shouldn't go to West Brom. Um, if he went to West Brom and want, and, play, and they played him in midfield where he says he wants to play, it'd be great. It, he'll look great in a West Brom side because he won't be asked to do a lot of passing. And I think that's the part of his game that he needs to uh, improve on. Takes a superb penalty. We can't agree, disagree on that. Progresses with the ball really well. Great at dribbling. Good at defending. Uh, I wouldn't say great at defending. Um, but his biggest weakness for me is his passing. And if you want to be a midfielder, especially at Arsenal, your passing has to be superb. And it's not someone, and it's not a kind of position I want us to be trialling players in to learn how to pass well uh, is in our team at the moment so if he can get to a, a Southampton where I understand he won't be first choice you know uh, he's got to break his way into that side as well but I think once he's in he'd stay in it uh, it would take a you know more than one dodgy performance for him to drop out of that side so yeah I'll be interested there were words I think Ornstein had said that there's a top four side linked with him which for me would say depending at the time of when he was writing that tweet versus when he published it, it was either definitely Leicester or maybe West Ham potential destination for him. But I don't know. They both seem kind of logical. And I think he needs to go out on a loan. Uh, if we could get a decent fee for him, um, I'm talking North of 20 million. I'd kind of snap anybody's hand off for that at the moment. Do you think, and I think it's, you think it's worth that now? Do you think his price would have gone down from the summer because he hasn't played that much and he hasn't played well? I mean, like we said, towards the back end of last season, he was brilliant, arguably behind Aubameyang, our best player. But obviously now, I think that his values definitely depreciated because he hasn't played and the games that he has played, he hasn't looked 
very good at. Yeah, I think the only thing that might help us is the new Brexit rules and that, you know, the English premium is now even higher because because of those things that you can't necessarily bring in players um, or young players in from youth academy level and get them as homegrown like we've got the likes of Bellerin. Like, we couldn't do that deal anymore. Uh, you know, get a player in who's under 16 into your youth academy. Yeah. And uh, uh, so, you know, English questions are going to be all right. Um, and they're going to have that kind of premium against them. Yeah. Speak, I mean, speaking of other English players, um, it's someone we haven't seen for quite a while, which is um, Reese Nelson. Um, he hasn't been on the bench even for a while. What do you think happens with him? I would say fair play to him during the summer that he said to Arteta, no, thanks for sorting me out with a loan, but actually I want to stay here and fight for my place. That's a great mentality to have that you want to fight for your place, but I think he should have been better advised generally and say, no, look at it. Look at it. Really. You're not going to, you're not going to get more than five games in this team over an entire season. Unless you hit the ground running, you displace Pepe or Willian, but then Martinelli's going to come back. Aubameyang's still going to be playing on the left flank as well. There's not really a chance for you here. You should go out on loan and it would serve you better. Yeah, I think it's one of those that, which he just needs game time now. And I don't think it really matters at what level. If it's a high level champions, high level championship side or a low level Premier League side, I think something that's open, something that's attacking and gives him an opportunity to just get minutes. I think that's what he needs at the moment now. Um, and yeah, I, I think before the end of the window, we will see him somewhere else, basically. Yeah, I think it's it's very telling that he hasn't even been in the squad at all. He didn't even make the squad for the Southampton game in the FA Cup. I don't know if he's carrying an injury. I think, I think the club have kind of communicated that. But yeah, he's telling that he hasn't been anywhere near the squad as of late. Um what do you think of Willock as well? Do you think he needs to go out or do you think he's uh, safe in the squad at the moment as a backup? I would happily back whatever Arteta decided to do with Willock because I think he could learn a lot from training with Thomas Partey every day. And if he didn't go out on loan, I don't think that would be a huge problem. The other side of it is that, you know what, give him game time and he can improve that way as well. And that would be something. So yeah, I'm a bit kind of on the fence. If we can find a loan move for Willock, amazing. But if we can't, we can't. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think he does need to play games though. And I wouldn't be so quick to get rid of sort of every single player just because it's Arsenal and we have injuries. We, we all get injuries and we know it's going to happen. So I would kind of like to... I would probably want to keep uh, Willock, if I'm honest, just as a, as a, as a squad player. Um, play him in some of the you know the lower league games or when we've got a game and we're 2-0 up and you can kind of take bring players off and rest them. So, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely keep him in, in and around the squads. Um, okay. Going on to the... <laughs> which I think is quite funny, which... On paper, it makes sense, but in your head, you're thinking, "What?" And that's Mustafi going to Liverpool. I mean, there's there's a lot, a lot of talk about it, and obviously, it's just talk. But 
on paper, Josh, don't you think it makes sense for Liverpool at the moment are really desperate for defenders, like real desperate. They're playing, you know, their captain who is a centre midfielder and another centre midfielder at centre-back. And whilst they're doing okay, I think they do need an out-and-out defender. I mean, all three of their defenders, Matip, um, Gomez and Van Dijk, they're all out quite long-term. Mustafi, it makes sense if you... I mean, let's be real. I don't think it's going to cost more than two million to get Mustafi, if that. Mm. I think Arsenal will probably take 1.5. He's looking for uh, a new club. And if he said to Mustafi, we'll give you a two-year deal, I'm sure he takes it against Liverpool uh, to play with Liverpool. He, he takes that two-year deal. Um, yes, it may be his last deal, but I, I'm sure he takes that. So if you're Liverpool, without your Arsenal head on, you're Liverpool, do you take? Do you go for Mustafi? If I'd watched him at Arsenal, <laughs> I'd probably, you know what, there'd be a lot of my own Twitter feed I'd have to go through and probably delete quite a few tweets about watching Mustafi in an Arsenal shirt. <laughs> um, but under Arteta, I don't think Mustafi's been that bad generally and I think he's been a serviceable you know centre back for us I mean he's not the fact that he's not in the squad doesn't you know doesn't upset me and the fact is if he was in the team it wouldn't upset me either at the moment um he's kind of in there for me your head's a bit fuzzy Josh for me if I'm Liverpool I honestly do say to him I give him a two and a half year deal you're not going to pay him the world because you're you're you literally say to him you are only here as a stopgap. So you say, you know, you... And at the moment, I think any club or any player is going to need a club. There's no guarantees that Mustafi, uh, the way the world is at the moment and with COVID and clubs losing money hand over fist, there's no club that's going to give you the, the payday that you want. I think those days have kind of gone. So if a team like Liverpool who you get to remain in England, not in London, but you get to remain in England so you don't have to really uproot your whole family uh, Come in, and they give you a two-and-a-half-year deal, I, I think you take it. Mustafi's not the best, but mm. he's a cheap option at the moment for them. And then if you're, if you're, if you've got a defender, then you can, that frees up you not playing Jordan Henderson and Fabinho at centre-back. Mm. Yeah, let's see how this goes. Is this better? Yeah, that's better. Woohoo! Yeah, it's my headset it overheated a little bit. Um, probably all the nonsense I was talking into it and all the hot air. Um, yeah, I. The the question is on that relocation. I think last time we were hearing about Mustafi wanted to leave, it was he wanted to return to Germany, and I don't think you kind of change that mentality um, or that thought. So I wonder if he's still looking for a club in Germany to take him. But if Liverpool want to take him and it's for maybe half a season or, you know, if there's not something coming from Germany yet, he can go, OK, I'll settle down 18 months and I look again in the summer or look again in January of next year to try and move on and get that, uh, you know, relocate back to Germany. That's the only question. And yeah, uh, I think he'd still have to do some kind of uprooting if he did go to Liverpool because, you know, it's not a commutable distance, let's put it that way. No, it's probably better than nothing. I don't know. I'm, I can only speak yeah. on my Arsenal head. I, I think 
for me, it's a short-term deal because, like you said, you can have that deal with Liverpool where, say, if a German club comes in for me, then I get to go. You can cancel my contract yeah. and I can leave on a free because, you know, I think we both know that, you know, as soon as Van Dijk and Matip and Gomez comes in, you know, he's going to be fourth place on, on, on the centre-back listing. So it's just something that, you you know, that there's chatter about it and, you know, we'll see what happens with that. I think if it does happen, it will happen very, very quickly. Yeah, I think it'll just be like, it may be the morning of the transfer window, you know, Liverpool contact Arsenal and say, okay, here's a million and a half. Well, they might try to lowball us with a million. We'll say no, we might get a million and a half and then see what happens. But I think that, I think it's a doable deal and I think it's a, it's a very easy doable deal for Liverpool because at the moment they are very desperate for centre-backs. Yeah, I think that's the thing that would get them in is the desperate, um, how desperate they are. Otherwise, yeah, I don't really see it. They seem too sensible, Liverpool, to go in and do a short-term stopgap like this. I thought they'd be better off going bigger on someone else. But you know what? If they end up with Mustafi, I don't think many of us are going to be that bothered that Mustafi's left the club and even if he does turn down you know turn into the second coming of Beckenbauer up at Liverpool I think we're all collectively put our hands up and say we never saw this from him at Arsenal um so yeah it's not a huge worry for me wherever he goes a bit like most of the other players that we've let go this window um don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of thing yeah, and I think apart barring that, I think these transfer windows, I can't, I don't see anybody else coming in for Arsenal mm. uh, at all. I think at the moment the squad is relatively settled, and mm-hmm. I think that there's probably not at the moment there's no space unless you're talking a couple of maybe under twenty one mm. players. Uh, nobody can fit into the squad because the squad is still very very full. So, yeah, I think the only one that I'd look to go out for is, yeah, if we get rid of, or say, the players that we're expecting to go out on loan do go out on loan, is a backup left back for Tierney. That's the only player I'd like to see come in. And I wouldn't mind us dip into the championship for that and grab somebody from there. But that might buy them now, loan them back there till the summer. And then if we do end up with a massive injury crisis, recalling them. Yeah, and also Runnison. I'm sure he was on the bench today, which I thought was very strange to see him on the bench. But hopefully, he gets a loan out, or we sell him because I don't really think that. <laughs> I think that deal was very, very rushed as well, and I just think that we've taken a look at him and think to ourselves, "Yeah, he's not someone that I think we really, really want in our squad." No. So. Hopefully. Yeah, I'd say with with Ryan not being on the bench, I'd say it's purely just down to the match fitness. Ryan hasn't played a game since... Whew, when was he dropped? Well, I think he played the first five games of the league season and then hadn't played since. He, like, he hasn't had many games at all. So that's where I'd kind of say, yeah, give him a couple of other training sessions and we'll see him on the bench against Wolves, I'd expect, for a number of reasons. One, because Renison isn't there. Hopefully, hopefully so, yeah. he does go out. Yeah, there's nowhere else, is there? There's, I mean, hopefully Aubameyang, I personally think Aubameyang has to isolate for 10 days. I think he had to leave the country uh, for his uh, mother. 
And mm. I think when he came back, he had to isolate for 10 days. And that's why you didn't see him in this game and you didn't see him um, against Southampton in the league. Because yeah. I think um, Arteta said that um, due to the, the rules, he couldn't play. Mm. So I think that does tell you that isolation was sort of one of the reasons. But, you know, I hope he does make a, a return against uh, Southampton, sorry, Wolves on Tuesday. And all is well with his family, and and I hope that Saka makes a, a return as well. Cool. Uh, I think that covers everything, really. It does um, indeed. I don't know who's on the pod this week. Danny will probably moan at us. And I imagine the podcast will be on Thursday. I think it is because we play Wolves on Tuesday, so we yeah. can talk about all the brand new signings we've brought in or not. Um, <laughs> more probably talking about outgoings. Um, yeah, and. Or unless we do a, um, a madness on and sign, I don't know. Basuma. That's our madness. Yeah. If we sign Basuma. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I don't know who's on um, any of those. And then Villa on Saturday. And then a little bit of a gap before we play Leeds uh, yes. on Valentine's Day. How lovely. Right. Josh, it was great talking to you. It was great. It was a pleasure to be on. Great to chat to the chat box as well. And remind them to stick a like in the, the uh, chat box if they enjoy what we're doing and if they don't enjoy what we're doing put a dislike every little helps indeed right that was arsenal nil manchester united nil not the best game in the world but you know a point is a point sometimes you've got to look on the bright side of life danny click that button as soon as i scored that goal i was fucking livid splendid business get down dog <laughs>